Welcome to Central Assembly of God's podcast. We pray this message speaks to you. Bless them, bless them, bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much, Dan. All right. So we're going to have an, uh, just a, a shorter message today that I just want to share with you just a few thoughts that are on my heart, and we're going to spend the last portion of this service together celebrating uh, Rick and Denise. But before we get to that, I want to share just two testimonies uh, that the Lord has brought to us this past week, and I want you to be excited about what God is doing at Central and through Central's missionaries. First is from Joel Van Briggle, who is a missionary that was raised at Central Assembly of God. He's spoken here. He's actually going to be here October 30th uh, to preach a message from his heart. He's a missionary to Belgium. He oversees 22 countries in a combination with our world missions through Assemblies of God and also Convoy of Hope. This is a, uh, a testimony we received this past week. I wanted to share a miracle with you. I got a message this morning from our partner pastor in Hungary. A young girl who's five or six years old we prayed with on Wednesday when we were going from house to house doing community family photos. This girl had cancer. We took pictures, we prayed with families, and then printed, framed, and delivered the portraits. This is just a very unique uh, outreach that they're doing house to house. She went to the hospital this morning. The doctors can't find any tumors anymore, and they see no cancer. Ha! Praise God. It's awesome. He goes on to say, I find it all the more marvelous because this family had no connection to the church. Just a family in the community with whom we connected. God is so good. And I bet you that family is in church today. Amazing. This is one more. Uh, A mother wrote Pastor John, our youth pastor, this past Wednesday, and we do have permission to share. Says, so I thought you'd enjoy hearing how your message affected a young man tonight. My son has been very impatiently waiting to be old enough to attend the rock. Well, tonight was his first night. He came home super excited about all the cool stuff and the people he met. That's not the important part, though. When he came into my van, he immediately apologized for his past behavior and promised to change his behavior. Then he proceeded to tell me about the service and how it brought him to tears. When he arrived home, he immediately apologized to my husband. He said that that your message really got to him. He can't wait to come back next week. So I just wanted to share with you, it's nice to know that you make a difference. Thanks so much. And to top that off, three students gave their life to Jesus last Wednesday. So we can give praise and honor for that as well. We could go on and on and on about stories like this of what God's doing at Central. We just want to share them with you as they come up. If you want to grab your Bibles, uh, in just a few minutes, I'm going to share from Matthew chapter 9. If you're someone that takes notes, I can, I can give you the scriptures that we'll get through over these next 20, 30 minutes or so. We're going to uh, camp out at Matthew chapter 9 for a little bit. And if you're writing them down, if not, I'll refer to them again. We'll, we'll be at Mark chapter 6 for a little while. And then Luke chapter 12. And Acts chapter 16. But once again, we'll start at Matthew chapter 9 in just a few minutes here. <clears throat> You know, with this past uh, month preparing for Miss Denise's 
And Rick's final day as the children's pastor with seasons changing, uh, with the tragedy that we faced recently in our church, I think it's a good time to take a look at changing seasons in life because sometimes uh, circumstances hit us and sometimes the Lord just leads us through things that in the morning we were in one season of life and by lunchtime we're in a completely different season. It is vitally important for us as individuals, as followers of Jesus, and also as a church body to be able to discern those seasons. Because seasons, God is always doing a new thing in our lives. And what happens is sometimes he wants to begin a new season. He wants to take us somewhere new. But if we don't have ears to hear, we don't have eyes to see what he's doing and what he's saying, we can actually miss entire seasons the Lord has for us. We'd say, well, I feel like I'm stalled here. I feel like God's not doing anything. I feel like he's not saying anything. That might be because you weren't taking the time to listen during this current season where he's saying, I'm shifting a season. I'm taking you into a new direction. I'm leading you somewhere else, but we weren't listening to that. So we get, kind of get stuck in a rut where we shouldn't be anymore because we haven't listened to where we should be. Does that make sense so far? So we want to learn how to discern better the seasons that God has us in, both corporately and as a church family. I want you just to close your eyes for a minute, and I just want you to imagine something with me, if you don't mind. I want you to picture yourself just standing in a large wooded forest at a point where several paths split apart from one another. Now, with each path, there is a fruit-bearing trees, but they're not ripe yet, and there's waterways, but they're currently still not moving. So you're not sure what path to travel. So you take a few steps into one path, you observe it more closely, and then you back out. As you look at each of these paths, none of them seem dangerous, none of them seem bad, but there's a best choice that is tailored, designed for you. Now it's possible to go down that first path a lot further, but precious time would be wasted if it's not the best one for you. At some point, you realize that God is hovering over this forest, and he's been with you each step of the way. You picture waiting on the Lord for his direction, and eventually, at some moment, he breathes on one of those paths. And as his breath flows down the path, the fruit on those trees begin to ripen and grow, and the water begins to bubble up and flow. And at that point, you are confident that this is the best choice since this is where fruit and fulfillment will be. So you go on in faith. You can open your eyes. That is learning to discern what God is doing. Now you might say, how in the world do I sense what God is breathing upon? Sometimes it takes us stepping down a path and stepping back in, and stepping down this path and stepping back in. I always call it that you're, you're following the way of peace because the Holy Spirit will never lead you into a place where your spirit is at unrest. You might be nervous. You might call it fear, but it's not going to be fear. We talked about that last week. It might just be, even as Pastor Juan preached about several weeks ago, stepping out of your comfort zone and taking a big risk for God. That doesn't have to be comfortable, but somewhere in here you will be at peace. Because you're following the path of peace. Now, a lot of times in life, God, God gives us freedom, right? You know, if you want to do one thing, if you want to do another thing, if you want to pick your career, I mean, God gives us freedom within his kingdom. But I believe that there's a best, the best path that you could follow. And I believe he breathes upon that path for certain seasons of life where you will find the most fruit, the most fulfillment, and the most nourishment for your soul. You'll make the biggest impact on the people around you because God's favor is on that. Now, God's blessing can be on your life and God's favor can be on your life. 
I want you to understand that. But if there's a specific season he has you in, there will be an immense amount of favor. Well, things will be easier. So if you're fighting against some, something and you're fighting against something, you feel like a wall is in your way, that might not be the path God has for you right now. As a church, we can have the right ministry at the wrong time, and it won't work. God's blessing won't be there. As an individual, you can make a really good decision at a really bad time, and his favor won't be there. We can also have the right timing but pick the wrong ministry, right? And you can make a really bad decision but at the right time. What we want is the right ministry at the right time, the right decision at the right time. And we could see the favor of God. So it's all about discerning what is God doing now. Now, I know in church settings, we can get used to being in a rut. Like, we started this ministry 35 years ago, and God was all over, and people were coming to it. And I don't know why it's declining. Maybe it's the people's fault. Maybe they're not as dedicated. Maybe God's not breathing on that anymore. Maybe we need to ask God, where are you breathing right now? God is a present tense God, right? He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough troubles of its own. What am I doing today that I can seek the kingdom? What is he doing? I want to seek first his kingdom and know everything else is going to be taken care of. So I want to get to a place as an individual and as a church where we can look to the past, learn from mistakes, learn from victories. We can honor those who have plowed the ground before us. In your personal life, that may be great-grandparents, grandparents, and parents. It might be an aunt or an uncle. In the church, it's the pastors, the leaders, the church members, the people that have blazed trails up to this point in time. We don't dishonor those. We don't talk bad about them. We don't demean them. We appreciate and honor what God has done previous to us stepping into this season of life. And now we say, God, now what are you going to do 10 years from now? What are you doing right now? I don't want to miss the now. What are you breathing on right now? A few weeks ago, uh, someone, we were praying at the altar, and someone handed me a word that I do believe is from the Lord, and I want to read that to you. It said this. It was on September 4th, 2016. God has shown me an old wineskin that is being filled up, filled up to the point of overflowing. Finally, the skin bursts, but no wine comes out. Instead, the old wineskin is a new, but inside the old wineskin is a new wineskin, stretched to overflowing, but holding in the wine. A voice says, I am stripping off the old by filling the new, so the old just falls away. Now, we're going to read through Matthew chapter 9 here in just a moment. I've never heard it like this before, and I started asking the Lord, why is it happening that way? You know, why, why might you work that way? And I believe it's all about honoring the past and learning from the past, because we're not taking uh, the old wineskin and throwing it out. We are, create, we are, we are in an old wineskin, right? There's, there's a wineskin that's always present for what God is doing. In Scripture, Jesus is talking about the moving of the Holy Spirit as being the wine. He's not making a comment on wine. Obviously, the Scripture is filled with enough teaching on the negative consequences of alcohol. Are you following me? So this is an illustration he's using. There wasn't clean water back then. They drank, they drank from the grape juice after it was fermented. <clears throat> so the wineskin is the people, the systems of the day, how we operate with what God is doing. And what it's showing here, I believe, is, is this. We're not dishonoring an old wineskin. We're not dishonoring what used to be, but God is doing something new. There will be a time where changes have to occur where the old strips off. We see it even in Rick and Denise's life. You see it in some of your lives that are going through a huge transition in life where you're stepping up, you know, waking up in the morning, you're stepping out of your bed, and you're thinking, like, this is completely different than I'm used to. It's the new normal. 
And God's saying he has a new normal for this church that is coming. He has a new normal for many of your lives. But we have to be willing for the old wineskin to fall away. That doesn't mean to disrespect or to demean it. It's just to say to become the new wineskin that Christ needs us to be so we can hold and host and steward the presence of God in our lives. Verse 14 of chapter 9 in Matthew. It says, One day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, Why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, Do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away and then they will fast. So they're trying to, they're, they're basically asking him this. Why don't, why don't your followers do all of the things we've been taught to do? In all of Judaism and all the rules and all the regulations, you're different. You're new, and I don't like it because you're different and you're new. I want your people to do what our people have learned to do for hundreds of years. And he's saying, listen, the bridegroom is with them. They're not fasting now. This is a celebration, an equipping time, and a preparation time. When I go away, there will be fasting. It says in verse 16, besides, who would patch old clothing to, with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. Verse 17 is what I want to talk about a little bit. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the old wineskins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins, so both are preserved. So think about this. If we, as individuals or as the church, operate as an old wineskin, just trying to hold on to the past, trying to hold on to what was, trying to hold on to what is comfortable, what is known, and not moving forward, both are lost. The move of the Spirit is lost in our life, and how we can operate with Him is lost in our life. But Jesus is saying, we have to become a new wineskin so we don't burst. Now, in this process here, talking about the old and the new wineskins, like I said before, wine was very common in the Bible days because of the lack of clean water. So what would happen is this. As the wine would ferment, the gases would be produced, and it would expand. If it was an old wineskin that was brittle, it would actually cause the wineskin to burst. So now you have a broken wineskin that could hold old wine, and you have wine that's spilled all over the ground. So now they have nothing to drink and their container is broken. Jesus, in, Jesus is teaching them much more than just fasting here because they understood what he was talking about. The old wineskin was the religious systems of the day. It was all of the roles, all of the regulations. The new wineskin was how people needed to handle and steward what Jesus was about to do because the new wine was a message of grace and the message of his kingdom. But they didn't like the way he did work. They wanted him to follow all of these rules. They didn't want him to eat on the Sabbath or, you know, to pick food on the Sabbath. They didn't want him to heal on the Sabbath. They didn't want him to break their precious rules that they've held on to for hundreds of years. And I think they were thinking exactly what we think all the time, that something new has to be bad because it's different. And that's not true. Jesus was saying to them, we are about to break off this old wineskin. We're about to break off of how we used to do life. The, the way we did life wasn't bad. God put it in place. But I have something different. I have something new. I have something better for you now. So as a church, 
We don't want to just be changing and making changes just for the sake of change. But we don't want to get stuck in the rut of known ministries and the way we do church just because it worked in the past. We want to stay fresh and current with what God is breathing on right now. So if we, if we picture Jesus pouring out a work of the Holy Spirit, and we are the host, we handle what he's doing, we can either allow it to be sloppily poured out, or we could host him well so he stays. Now, preserving it doesn't mean it doesn't get used. Preserving it, it doesn't mean it gets wasted, right? Preserving it means it's get, it gets used for its intended purpose. It's to change people's lives. It's to strengthen us as a local body so we actually make a tangible difference in this county, in this area, in local and in world missions. But we have to be willing to change. Now, as an individual, you have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to say, God, help me to become a new wineskin. Some of you get to step into, like, like Rick and Denise, if you think about this, they had to eventually come to grips that this new normal in their life is going to be better than where they're at right now. Doesn't mean anything in the past was bad. Are you following me? So when you think about this, it being her last day here, this is a season where she and Rick were a wineskin as an illustration. It hasn't been comfortable, but it's been good. But at some point they had to realize we could stay, Denise could stay the children's pastor here for five more years and still produce fruit and still do good things. But if God's calling her to a greater influence with her grandchildren, with ministering to other children's pastors and leaders, she couldn't do both. Eventually, her time here would become draining because God's breathing over here. And God couldn't do all that he wanted to do over here, even though she's an excellent children's pastor, because he's breathing over here. So some of you are in an opportunity in life. Some of you are saying, okay, I have like five really good choices. And God would bear fruit in each one of those. And they're all good things. Like none of them are bad. It's not like a sin issue at all. You know, so you don't have to enter into like fear, like one's really good and one's bad. No, they might all be good choices. But God's breathing on one of them. And he's saying, this is where the fruit and the favor and my peace will follow. But we don't want to get impatient. Right? We don't want to just start running everywhere. We, we need to hear the voice of the Lord. Now, some other individuals in this room were placed into a season abruptly, right? Maybe something really good happened, and now you have to flow with that. Maybe something really bad happened, and now you have to flow with that. The hardest thing sometimes is to let that old wineskin go away and a new wineskin form. Because we think if this old wineskin falls away, how are we going to remember it? How are we going to honor it? The best way you can honor that wineskin is by being created into a new wineskin so God can do what he wants to do now. You'll be in his favor, you'll be in his peace, and you'll be able to honor what God has done in the past while honoring him the most with what he's doing in the present. For the church... It's the difference between being a program-based church or a presence-based church. In your life, you can be program-based and presence-based also. I've been parenting this way for years, so I just have to continue. I've been in this job for years. What's going to happen? Like Anthony said, what's going to happen to my 401k? I've been, I've been in, making regular installments, and now God's asking me to do this. Life has been this way for so long, I can't, I can't hardly even imagine to get out and do something different. And God's saying, you're going to miss my favor. You're going to miss fruit. You're going to miss fulfillment if you remain an old wineskin. 
You know, we took a risk by going to one service. And you guys have remained faithful by coming and God's showing up in unique ways. We purposefully didn't launch a mission and vision statement a year ago because we want to see where God is blazing a trail first and we just want to put a definition to it. Right? We want to see where God is already breathing. It's the same thing why we're doing the Sunday nights with, with uh, the kingdom ministry. The series, The Spark Before the Fire, I had no clue that we were even going to go into that. And then we were in it for, you know, four or five weeks. And God was doing very unique things in people's lives during that time. It's not about not planning. You can plan forward. You can be strategic in your thought process. But we have to understand what God is doing now. I don't want to miss what he's doing. In Mark chapter 6, we see Jesus going to Nazareth, his hometown, it says here in verse 2, the next Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. Many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Now follow this. He's in his hometown. They're looking at him and they're amazed. And then the very next verse in, in verse 3, it says, then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Jesus goes on to say, A prophet is honored everywhere else except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own family. It says because of their unbelief, he, he, he did not even perform miracles there. It's not because his power, he had a shortage of power. Their unbelief is an old wineskin that he could have poured out his spirit among them. Their wineskin would have broken and the, the, his work would have been spilled. Both would have been wasted. I can't imagine in one verse they're amazed and in the next verse they scoffed. What's my point in today? I don't want Jesus to be so close to us doing amazing things and we miss him. Because you know how they saw Jesus? He's a carpenter. Are you serious? This man's a carpenter. He's not the Messiah. These things are probably fake. I don't even want to be near it. But how many times have we done that in our lives? Something shows up that's brand new, boom, right before our eyes. And we say, wait a minute, this looked completely different last time. It's nowhere even close to where it used to be. This can't be from God. But he may be doing something completely new, and completely different. And it may be the best thing for you. You don't have to turn there, but in John chapter 12, I just want to read one, one verse. In verse 37, it says, Despite all the miraculous signs Jesus had done, most of the people still did not believe in him. I mean, you think about that. Like they had the Messiah right in front of them, performing all of these miracles. And they missed him. Like, I don't want to miss what God's doing in my life right now. We don't have to wait for the big boom. We don't have to wait for something to happen here. God's performing miracles in our life every single day. It's a miracle. It's something that only God could accomplish. Maybe it's peace in your heart, in your mind. Maybe it's confidence to restore a relationship that was broken. Right? Maybe it's boldness to share your faith. Whatever it is, God's always doing something. And I want us to be amazed at those small things too. And I want us to know what he's doing in the now. In Luke chapter 12, verse 54. I know I'm kind of going through some things. I'm just kind of sharing my heart in a couple areas. Jesus is talking to the crowd here. Luke chapter 12, verses 54. 
He's talking about being able to discern current times. It's the same thing as being a fresh wineskin for God. It says, he turned to the crowd and said, when you see the clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, here comes a shower. And you're right. When you see, uh, or when the south wind blows, you say, today is going to be a scorcher. And it is. And in verse 56, he says, you fools, you know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and sky, but you don't know how to interpret the present times. He's not talking about the weather then. <laughs> He's talking about, can we discern spiritual times? Do we know what God is doing right now in our life and in the church? I think a time is coming sooner than we can imagine where we're going to have to do church differently. We're not always going to be protected under nonprofit status and, you know, and not, we're not going to be persecuted no matter what we preach. No, there may be a time very soon when the law says we can't do one thing, but God says to do it and we do it. So we have to stand up to biblical mandates from the Lord. And we're going to find out at that moment, did we prepare for a new wineskin? Is our prayer life in the right place? Is our boldness there? Is the knowledge of the word there? Are we ready to stand up to persecution in an area that used to be a very safe place in our country? I'm not declaring bad times are coming. What I'm saying is this. We better be prepared to have a fresh new wineskin for what God wants to do. It's like this. I don't want to get caught with a spiritual sweater on if God's turning up the temperature to 95 degrees. You're not going to be very effective with it, and you'll look silly. Right? So think about that. Something seems uncomfortable. Something might be changing. Maybe God's doing something new in your life, but you're afraid of it because it's different. Different isn't always bad. So he's saying here we need to learn to discern the times. Don't be afraid to ask God questions either, right? God, what are you breathing on right now? Where is your favor right now? Where is your peace leading me right now? Right? And you may think that circumstances of life, an event in life, put you into your current season. You have to stop looking at it like that the circumstances are dictating your life. Now you could say, God, this circumstance happened to me. Now I'm relying on you to take me through this season. Where are you breathing? Where's your favor? Where's your blessing? Where's your fruit? Where's your fulfillment? If not, we could become victims of our circumstances. Life has done this to me. Life has done that to me. So now I'm just going to go through life depressed. No, God, I'm here. I woke up today and this is now my season. Where are you breathing? I need to know where the breath of God is. I need to know where your presence is. And I'll follow the way of peace. Paul does this. This is where we'll camp out at and we'll take communion. Acts chapter 16. There's two sides to this. One of it is patience, and the other one is quick obedience. <laughs> like, I don't want to go out and buy the new wineskin if God's not doing anything new, right? We want to stay the course. But I also don't want wine spilling out all over the floor and the Holy Spirit wanting to do something and it gets wasted. So there's patience on one side, long-suffering, right? Going through the seasons of life. But then there's also, the, those individuals are just getting ready for communion, that's all. It's not like a mass exodus. We're out of here. <laughs> they must be mad. No, just getting ready to serve. So there's the patient side, but then there's the also, I'm doing something new right now, right now. Okay, God, this is going to be uncomfortable, but help me take off the old wineskin. Help me to become a new wineskin for you. Sometimes it's quick. 
In Acts chapter 16, verse 6, Paul and Silas, says, traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at the time. Now, I asked myself, would preaching in Asia have been bad? I'll ask you. Would preaching in Asia be bad? Would it be ungodly? Would it be a sin? No, we don't know why, but the Holy Spirit prevented them from going there. God's breath wasn't there. They would have had people saved and healed and delivered, but he wasn't breathing on it. It says, then, come, then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north to the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not let them go there. Like the Holy Spirit's not a party pooper saying, no, you can't go there. We don't want you to have a revival service there. Maybe they would have been persecuted greatly there. Maybe, maybe they would have been killed there. I don't know what would have happened, but they were sensitive enough to step down into a path no, God's breath isn't there. Okay, we want to preach. We, I'm called to do this. Step down this path. No, God's breath isn't there. So they continued to stop. It says, so instead they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. So they followed the path of peace. They resisted unrest and they stepped back and then they followed the path of peace. In verse 9, it finally came. It says, that, that night Paul had a vision. Now, don't exclude yourself. When you hear these words like visions and talks about Peter falling into a trance, like, listen, just, just, just title it for yourself, a spiritual experience. It could be a thought in your mind. It could be a verse that you read. It could be any type of experience with the Holy Spirit speaking to you. So don't, don't disqualify yourself from having these because God is talking to us through different things all of the time. Sometimes through his word, through the Holy Spirit, through other people in our lives. So it says here, a man from Macedonia in this vision in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us, exclamation point. Verse 10, so we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. I love this. He's saying, listen, I had a vision at night. Okay, that could have been a dream, could have been an open vision, a closed vision, whatever. He saw a man saying, come preach to us. We want you to preach. They wake up. You don't hear about a seven-day fasting. They don't, you don't hear about long, ongoing prayer services. They had to come to a point of concluding, this is where God's breath is, and we're going to go. And I believe if they got that one wrong, they would have stepped into it. There would have been unrest. They would have said, oh, we missed it again. That's okay. God, where are you breathing? The worst thing you could do is start down a path and know that it's wrong and say, I'm already too far, so I'm just going to keep walking down and down and down. Right? Just back up. Say, God, I want to get this right. I want to learn how to hear your voice. I want to be sensitive. What are you breathing on right now? And you follow the path of peace because the Holy Spirit will lead you into peace. So at some point, because of a vision, he says, I'm concluding this is where God has. And if you read Acts chapter 16 and 17, you will see amazing things that God did in that territory because they were patient and then eventually they obeyed. And that is what I want for our lives and for our church. There's a quote uh, that I've seen and heard many times that the only thing constant in life is change. And for those of us who don't like change, that can be hard, but God wants to do something unique. You know, change can be scary. It can be intimidating because we don't know what's in the future, but God has us in the present. In fact, that's what communion is, right? We don't take this as a memorial to just what happened all the way 2,000 years ago. 
We take this because his blood is still active in our life today. It's a present thing. God, what are you doing? Well, he did something 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross, but he's still doing it today. His blood still has power in your life today. It's still forgiving sins today. He's still showing us his grace today. So when we take this, I don't want to send our mind just back to the cross, but I want you to realize of his resurrection power in your life today that the cross made a way for If this is just a memorial and we're just thinking back then, we won't become the new wineskin that he wants us to become. We won't stay current with God. So ushers, you can come forward uh, at this time. I just want to pray for you as these men uh, come forward. You can just bow your heads in prayer. Father, I just pray. In fact, if you're going through a season of transition right now, you feel uh, like there is a major transition. You were either thrust into a brand new season or you feel like you're in transition leading up to one. I just want you to raise your hand so I can just part. Just, just put your hand up real high. You don't have to stand up or anything like that. Okay. Yeah, you can put it down. I just want to know who we're partnering with. Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now as we prepare to remember you through your body and blood. Father, I pray in Jesus' mighty name that you will give each person here ears to hear and eyes to see what you're doing. Father, I thank you that you don't hide your seasons of life, that you don't want it to be hard for us to figure out. You haven't put us in some maze. God, you want us to hear what you're saying. And Father, I pray that you would teach us, no matter how hard it is, how uncomfortable it is, how painful it might be at times, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us with the ability to become a new wineskin, to be able to see where your breath is, where the fruit is, where the life is, where the nourishment is, that each person would be able to say in this room, it might be great or it might not be so great, but I'm where the Lord has me right now. And I'm finding strength and victory in this season because God's breath and favor is upon me. Father, I pray that it would be able to be experienced by each person that raised their hand today who would walk in peace with the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You don't have to be a member to receive communion here. We do ask that you just wait and we uh, take together as a church family in a few moments. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.